It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely in Topic. It's another episode just before the Stanley Cup final begins. And I am VA, and I am here with Jeff. What's up? And Tim. Woo! There we go. Exactly. I want to tell you what my notes say here, Brandy, because I took copious notes this week. Scallion pancake, General Tso's chicken, small steamed rice, uh, chicken with curry. Okay, that's not really my notes. That's, that's a Chinese food menu. Um... Yes, yes, it, it is, because I took no notes this week. But I did, in my notebook for this very podcast, I did write down my Chinese food order from a few nights ago. So, all right, well. Were the egg rolls good? Uh, we didn't get egg rolls. We decided to get uh, scallion pancakes and uh, Peking ravioli instead. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We like to get a couple different appetizers and stuff. We got like egg rolls or spring rolls a couple times ago. So, you know, we mix it up. But anyway, that's barely on Chinese food for today. So, or Chinese food on topic for today. I don't know. Whatever it is. You know, guys, before we get into the uh, very brief... Bruins uh, Blues preview that we're going to do because we had a longer episode this week and I don't want to tax anyone too much. I want to start off talking about the recent decision that came down about Slava Voinov because, you know, we've spoken about this before. We all are of the same mind and we're all justifiably outraged about this whole situation. (sighs) Motherfuckers. Yeah, this came out, I think, on Tuesday night or no, no, sorry, it came out on Thursday night because I was at the Bruins uh, inter-squad scrimmage when the news came out. And basically, the arbitrator came back and said, well, yep, it's right to suspend him for a year. However, he's already served 41 games of that. So he's available to come back midpoint, you know, at the 41 game mark of the season. Yep, the NHL, in their infinite wisdom, decided to push this onto teams and hope that they would do the right thing in not signing him. Oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Seriously, what the fuck? It's a bad look. It's a bad, bad look. It's also the easiest thing in the world to get right. Just don't let him back. It's literally that simple. Don't let him back. Yeah. You look good. The league looks good. The teams look good. Everything looks good if you don't let him back. But you don't do that. Like, fuck. You you, you take a stand. And, and while I love a, a story of redemption, I love it when you know, people can change over time. We just talked about that with Bruce Cassidy last week or the last episode. The thing is, is that if you are a person who abuses your spouse or your partner, you're not likely to change. That that just doesn't happen. You never get it through your head. You shouldn't do that. This is just a bad thing. And they shouldn't have shuttled it off onto the, onto the teams. And now we have to play like, let's see who's going to sign him or not sign him. Uh, the easiest thing they could have done, Tim, you're right is say, well, if they, you know, if they had enough wherewithal to say you can't come back and play for a year, it was very easy to say, no, 
it's a privilege to play in this league. It's not a right. And we don't want you to come back or you, you can't come back and play. And that's it. That's the biggest thing. It's a privilege, not a right to play in the NHL. And the other thing to go on the lines with redemption, he has shown zero, absolutely nothing that he's like made an effort to change his ways or show remorse. He's done none of that because guess what? He feels zero remorse. He's not going to change his ways. And he just wants to play hockey and do whatever the fuck he wants. That's the bottom line. And showing remorse is not going and playing and having a career over in Russia. No, nope. well, there's the thing. You know what? If he wants to keep playing, go continue playing in Russia. They're, they obviously it is it, it is a fundamentally amoral organization. You know, they order people to you know allow Putin to score ten goals in a game at the age of like fifty eight or whatever the fuck he is. Oh my um, god! Some of those goals were like hilarious. Like the, the goalie <laughs> moves his pad at the last minute to let the puck in. Incidentally, the score should probably fold after like tweeting like no after after tweeting not even tongue in cheek about how good a game he'd had is like really the score like come the fuck on anyway but like seriously like go ahead play in Russia fill your goddamn boots collect that ta- those tax free Petro straight state dollars dude just get the fuck out of here yeah yeah. Go go sign in Karabarovsk or some like or, or or some other Siberian hellhole, and fuck off. You hear that, Slavovoynov? Fuck off. You know what? I think that's an pro- appropriate place to leave it because I agree. Same here, and I hope his wife is okay because she hasn't left him, and like there's nothing in my mind that believes that he hasn't continued doing it this entire time. So I feel awful for her. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of those things where she needs to figure that out and, and, and get the help that she needs to get out of it. But God, anyway, sorry, start out on such a downer, but uh, we do have other things that we can talk about that are not. So insanely. The finals start in two days. <laughs> Finally. Woo. Oh, how many days has it been? Oh, it has been nine by the end of the event 11. Oh, it's too much. It's, it's, it's entirely too fucking much. As ETD51 stated on Twitter, David Pasternak has aged an entire year since the last time they played a hockey game. It has been so many days since they last played. The odds of he is no longer going to be able to get that second 20-point playoff season before the age of 24. He is, but like... <laughs> I mean, he is, but like like jokes. Yeah, he's 23 now, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He just, it, today is his birthday. Happy birthday, Pasta. You know, the other night in the scrimmage, he did manage to score a couple of goals, I think. I, because they didn't keep score... And um, nobody had any numbers on. <laughs> nice. It's uh, <laughs> a scrimmage. They're wearing stinky pennies out of a burlap bag. I remember gym class. I know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> Jake DeBrus did get traded uh, with six minutes left to go in the, uh, in the first period, but they never stopped the clock. There was a penalty called, but I, the only thing I can tell you is somebody shot the puck at a, a ref and then there was a penalty. <laughs> I don't really know what it was. 
words. So I'm going to stick to it. That was what the penalty was. Shooting the puck at the ref. Two minutes. And then I don't even remember. Intramural sports are so fun. (laughs) (laughs) This is uh, pennies that have the stank of a thousand basketball games. (laughs) You can't tell if you're wearing an inside out or right side out because the seam looks fucked on both sides. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, that scrimmage was uh, was for us, too, so that we could get into the habit of uh, yelling, we want the cup! Oh, yes. And we could yell to get any goalie who saves the, uh, you know, any Bruins goalie who saves the puck, regardless if it's Tuca or not. Because the truth is, lots of people didn't notice that in the second period, they switched out the goalies for the two black aces. So Nice. And everybody was confused. <laughs> So 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 neither Halak, neither Rask nor Halak was playing in the second. Then it was it was Matt, it was Zane and Kaiser. Yep. Because Vladash Vlada- nice. isn't one of the Black Aces this year. No, because yeah. he was hurt. He was hurt. So yeah. Um. Yeah. It's those two guys. Um. So it it was thoroughly confusing because again, no numbers, and you had to go by their their helmets. You know their their masks, and I did see him turn, and I saw the Insano. Thing, uh, you know, across his chin, so I knew it was Zane. Uh, and I tried to say Zane, but nobody wanted to do that, so that's how that went. But anyway, yes, we are two days away from the start of the Stanley Cup final, and guess what? The Bruins are in it! <laughs> they are, they are, they are. I'm going to the game. Oh! <laughs> I know, I'm so excited. Uh, I enjoyed the Tim said, woo, and I basically, like, imploded. <laughs> 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 also i just want to preemptively say fuck st louis i hate st louis and everything <laughs> about it not only not only because fuck st louis and their stupid arch but also because i hate the cardinals and the red sox beat them in the world series in 04 and 2013 they proclaim themselves the best fans in sports and they can all fuck themselves in hell and go Bruins. Also, their barbecue is kind of substandard compared to other styles. Also, yes. And Gloria is a bad song. I didn't even like it when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, come on, DJ and Pete trying to steal it for Boston. Let's not. Let's pick something better. I mean, like, I, I, I'm behind them trying to ruin something for St. Louis, but, like, at the same time, no. No, no. No, I... I want to be in the building when they play all of those goth songs that I hear when I'm watching on TV. You better play me some Tones on Tail. And yeah, play me some Killing Joke. Yes, those. I want to hear that stuff. Play me lots and lots of Iggy and the Stooges. Love it. Do it. I mean, that's not goth. But still, I like that proto-punk whatever. Do it. Those are our songs. We are gritty, dark, black and gold, all that stuff. So... Okay, got that all out. Whew. I'm excited. Uh, I found out that one of our fans, Casey, is also going to game one. Uh, she asked oh. me about if she's coming out from L.A. So she, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she said she had to sell a kidney, but, you know. I mean, like, that kidney's going to a good cause. Someone else isn't going to die because of it. So, like, you know, everyone wins. Right, right. And you can still live without it. So win-win. I was going to say, she's still got one, right? You know, if she, has to, if she comes into a situation where she needs to sell a kidney now, it could be a problem. But, like, eh. 
He's going to the final. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it. I'm like, oh crap! Now I got to sell this kidney to make rent. Well, eh, I had a good run. I went to the finals. It's cool. You never <laughs> sell a kidney to make rent. That because, like, then how are you going to make rent the next month? I mean, like, I don't know, like, um, fluids. Well, you could probably do that. I mean, the fluid should be your go-to before the kidney. Yes, but <laughs> if you're going to sell a kidney, make it for something good, not rent, for something else. This is a good choice on her part. So, uh, yeah, so she's going. She had messaged me. She wanted to know about the bag situation at the at the thing. Totally reasonable ask, you know, because it's like every arena has a different thing. So I just let her know what was going on. That was good. So anyway, yes, it's so exciting. It's happening in two days. And we are presumably going to talk about the matchup and make some predictions and all sorts of stuff. So, I'm going to put this to you two guys. Is there anything that worries you about the St. Louis Blues? Jordan Binnington. Wow, that was right out the gate. That's the only thing. Binnington, the only thing. Here's the thing about Jordan Binnington. His save percentage this playoffs is only .914. That ain't anything special. I mean, who'd he come through to get here? Who'd they even play in the first round? Winnipeg! Okay, so Hellebuck had a bad season. Then they played Rinna, who's, you know... Well, no, they didn't play Rinna. No, Rinna went out in the first round. Okay, and then they played Bishop. Okay, so he played one. he's played one good goalie and two bad goalies in the playoffs this far. In, the far, in order, Hellebuck, Bishop, Jones. Yeah. And, and yes, Bishop it, well, had a very, very good season. Rask is on fire. <laughs> Rask is definitely on fire, but you could also make the argument that Rask has only faced one great goalie himself with Bob. Carolina's uh, no. Great. Anderson, Anderson was better. Anderson was better than Bob with it was in the playoffs, though. Well, not counting the, I mean, at least against the Bruins. I think Anderson is better than Martin Jones and Halibut was this year. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I think the Bruins are probably winning this series. And I am going to predict that they win this series. But Jordan Biddington is the one thing that scares me on their team. I don't think their offense doesn't scare me because I think the Bruins can hang. Their defense doesn't scare me because I think the Bruins' defense is better. And I think the Bruins' special teams is better than theirs as well. So the one thing that does scare me on their team is Biddington can steal a game or two. Yeah, so... In terms of special teams, I don't know about the Blues' power play. I do know that their penalty kill is um, suspect at best, which is not good news for the Blues, given how... The Bruins' power play is awesome? Yeah, the Bruins' power play is, you know, like Robert Oppenheimer made power play for him. Um, <laughs> so it's the uh, the atom bomb, the hydrogen bomb of uh, I, I, I I I am become death the scorer of worlds. I am become death the scorer of worlds of goals. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not wrong. <laughs> Oh my god, how fun would it be to see like Zineno Chara skate out as death? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, realistically, 
his goal, his hockey stick is long enough to be a scythe. Yeah. So it should work. Ceremonial face off with a scythe. We're wearing a long black cloak and a scythe. <laughs> <laughs> he points to Petrangelo and he's like, I am coming for you. <laughs> Embrace me with both arms, brother, because it is your time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, that's so funny. I think one of the things that scares me about the blues is that you have some some people who are really good at hitting, and there are some people who make some questionable hits on, on that blues team. I'll tell you what I'm worried about is Patrick Maroon. I was oh, just going to say the, that's another thing, yeah. He's the Bruins mm. killer. That's right. I forgot to Patrick Maroon until right now, and I was like, I saw him on the depth chart. I'm like, oh, good God, no, please no. Mind you, he's playing with Tyler Bozak. <laughs> uh, his line has not been very good, but he is uh, Patrick no. Maroon. Did you read the article by Emily Kaplan on his his career and how he, he got back to St. Louis? He he grew up in St. Louis. Well, I know that's why he like was supposed to be like a reasonably in-demand player didn't sign till late and for very little money because he wanted to play in St. Louis, right? Yeah, he wanted to be closer to his son. He and and his son's mother did not, their relationship didn't survive, but, you know, he tries to get his son to, to come out to hockey games whenever possible, but it's hard. You know, he wasn't living in the same city as him for much of the year and decided like, well, I have the ability to do this. Let's do it. So that's been great. But he, you know, he's, he's a guy who has made mistakes and then has learned from them. That's basically the, the whole gist of the story. So... It's a really good one. So if you if you want to find it, it's, it's on ESPN. Um, or you can look up her Twitter feed. The other thing that I'm looking at is um, they are a big team. Yeah. Yeah, they like, are. Their um, uh, depth chart from the last game against the Sharks, they had one player on the ice that was under six foot. And that's Jaden Schwartz. And he's having a good playoff. He has 16 points. So far through their playoff run, I think he has 12 goals and four assists. Yeah, I mean, like three of those goals were in one game, but like they still count. So, like, I'm just like, this is a big team. The Bruins are a bottom 10 in the league in terms of overall size, despite having Chara pulling the averages up. Well, our Lollipop Guild can skate underneath their legs. Well, there's the thing their smallest defenseman is Carl Gunnarsson at um, uh, 6'2, 198 pounds. Thing is, I'm looking at this defense and like they can't fucking skate. Like even their <laughs> good defensemen, like Pareko and, and Petrangelo, are not great on the ice. Like right, so I I feel like there's a window here. Yeah, I agree. And they're also playing Jay Baumeister on the second pair, which is uh, oh. can't, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> no, it's all five years ago. That's what I was going to bring up. Yeah, like, five years ago, maybe. But, like, now, their defense doesn't scare me at all. I think the Bruins' defense is a lot better. I think, though the Bruins are smaller, and though our fan base decides that giving the Bruins smaller players any type of credit is stupid and unwarranted, I think most of our smaller players, Krug, Grizzlick. Martian, they play bigger than they are, and that's going to help a lot. 
Well, and there's the big thing. Like, I remember people made a big deal about um, Pete DeBoer after uh, the Sharks went out, commenting, all the teams that are going to the finals are all big. And they hit a lot. It's like, well, no, they play big. Well, okay, yeah, no, the Blues are large. The Blues are very large. Bruins just play big. Mm-hmm. And that's very different, right? Oh, yeah. Again, like, 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 again, um, we have our small players, our tiny guys like Krug and, and Grizzly play so much bigger than they are. Contrast them with guys the Bruins have had recently, big guys who played small. Cough, cough, Jimmy Hayes, cough, cough, wheeze. Um, <laughs> you don't want big guys to play small because they don't, they don't achieve anything. Again, Hayes, comma, Jimmy. Um, you know, it's interesting. We're making this uh, size comparison between big and small, the larger team in the blues and this smaller team in the Bruins and what helped out the Bruins in past series is that you had your smaller guys just getting under the skin of the other players, the bigger players on the other team and making them take penalties, making them take dumb penalties. Um, Most notably Justin Williams in the last series, right? How key do you think that could be in this series? Because knowing that the Blues power, I mean, penalty kill is terrible. Uh, I think that's going to be the key is specifically getting O'Reilly to be stupid. It's not really hard. He is is their best defensive player, right? He is their dollar store, Patrice Bergeron. And I don't mean that as an insult to Ryan O'Reilly. He's actually a really good player, a rightful Selkie finalist. Riley's the one you need to piss off. And actually, he doesn't take that many pep. No, he's 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 won he's won at least one um, uh, Lady Bing when he was still with Colorado, didn't he? Yes, he did. He, I think he did that year that uh, they didn't hand out NHL awards. It was a lockout year. That was when I started watching. So I that's how I learned about other players in the league that I didn't get to see so much. So I, I learned about him. He had two penalty minutes in forty eight games. We know Ryan O'Reilly is willing to go through a wall for a cop. That's for certain. He will not let bricks keep him away from his fucking coffee. That's what he won't do. <laughs> so don't put any coffee behind Tukarask, is what you're saying. Don't. Just don't put any coffee behind Rask. No Timmy's. No Timmy Hortons behind the behind Tukarask, okay? There we go. <laughs> Here's another thing. Is, you know who they have on this team? It's Tyler Bozak. Uh, you know what? He's um, part of multiple Game 7 collapses against Boston. <laughs> I mean, they also have Carl Gunnarsson, who also is... Was Gunnarsson on the team for the first one? I don't know if he was on for the first one. I think he was last year, wasn't he? No, Carl Gunnarsson's been, been in St. Louis for a while. That's why I'm not sure. Oh, maybe not then. Okay. I know he played for Toronto. He was still a Leaf, yes. So he was on that, played seven games, had one assist. So basically what you're trying, what you want to happen is tell Gunnarsson, but more specifically Bozak, that it's game seven every game. It's game seven. Yes. Yes, yep. exactly. And the other thing with St. Louis, too, is a lot of people talk about how on January 2nd, uh, St. Louis was in last place, and they were pretty much the best team in the West in the league since then. All That's all true. It's all good. But the Bruins were also in the second wildcard spot at that time. So the Bruins have been pretty good since January 2nd as well. Um, they've gotten healthy. They've gotten players back. They've started to gel. 
So I don't think that that necessarily is going to be as big a factor. They were the two best teams in 2019. Yeah. So this is the right outcome. This finals for sure. Yeah, but you know what the Blues didn't do? They didn't do Peaky Blues. They did not. Which has been uh, the Peaky Bruins uh, or the Peaky Blinders uh, Bruins, uh, you know, group outfit uh, at the Winter Classic has been uh, credited as bringing the team together. And oh, by the way, I just want to say, in that spirit of keeping the team together and what makes them work so well, John Moore today had a memorable quote. That needs to go on t-shirts. John Moore, on the Bruins chemistry, for lack of a better way to put it, there's no dickheads. Yes. I need a shirt that says bunch of not dickheads (laughs) on it. (laughs) I think we found the, the title of our episode. Bunch of not dickheads. I mean, that's it. That's it. John Moore gave us our... John Moore, of all people. (laughs) (laughs) He's not doing much else for us, but he's giving us titles for our podcast, and that's what matters. (laughs) Thank you, John Moore. (laughs) Yeah, we've been making a lot of light here of uh, of the other team. But, you know, St. Louis, as you said, uh, and the Bruins, they were both the, the best teams of 2019. From January 1st on. So this will be a fun, exciting matchup. Both the teams are similar in some ways. But, of course, I'm going to say that the Bruins are totally better. They are. Our top, Boston's top nine's better. It's the, um, and in terms of raw scoring, their they're, they're fourth line's better. But uh, I'm, I kind of, I kind of in love with our fourth line. So, like, I'm not going to concede that ground. See, that's the other thing, too. I saw a lot of people talking about, um, something that the the Blues had over the Bruins is they can roll four lines, but people are underestimating how the Bruins can roll four lines as well. Not only you know the Bruins' top two lines playing really well right now, that third line has probably been one of the best lines in the last two rounds. Um, and then the fourth line's playing so well as well. They get they may not have as much scoring as the Blues, but they get the timely goals. Um, they get the important goals, and that's what's important. They get the puck into the right zone. They give you lots of opportunities. So I know that's hard to – you can't always put that on stats. You can put that on advanced stats, but you can't put that on regular stats that people are going to look at. I'm not going to say anything bad about our, our fourth line. It might be better with Wagner in it, but whatever. So to give you some idea, just, just based on the athletics of my Dom Lechichens, I think that's how it's pronounced. It's got a lot of C's, Z's, and Y's. Um, <laughs> he, he had a workup based on like what line, each line's, um, like, you know, just the matchup and what how this is likely to go. Basically, he gave the um, uh, Bruins a substantial edge for everything, for everything but the fourth line. And the third pairing defense, but I'm like, really are Carl Gunderson and Robert Bortuzzo actually better than the thing Macris looking Connor Clifton. Cause I, no. I'm inclined to call shenanigans on that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would definitely, especially with, I think Connor Clifton's been a kind of a big X factor. Well, playoff. there's the thing is, is, is Connor Clifton has so few data points that um, the advanced staff stuff doesn't really capture him because he's got next to no regular season. And Dom's models, I'll use the previous three seasons. 
which means it's going to invariably underrate rookies, particularly ones who basically didn't really break into the team until the damn playoffs. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's you know fantastic about all this prognosticating and stuff is that, yep, you use data points and you try to, to construct something that makes sense and you put it out there. But the fact of the matter is, is that, okay, maybe, maybe statistically their third line or their third pairing might be better than our third pairing. I don't know how, but okay, whatever. It doesn't really matter. It really matters what happens on any given night. So I, I'm going to take our third pairing. I'm, I'm good with that. I'll, I'll tell you one thing I do know is uh, our third pairing is currently constructed, has 10 points. Um, if you want to count points uh, scored by, say, oh, um, uh, by um, say Steve Kampfer or uh, by Steve Kampfer, that makes it 11 points. Their third pairing, wait for it, has one. <laughs> wow! They're as good as Stephen Kampfer, who played in one game. Now, I will give them some credit here. Vince Dunn, I believe, is usually on their third pairing, and he did have seven points in 16 games before going out, but still. Yeah. What do you like the most about the Bruins in this series? Honestly, the defense for me. It's the defense. I I think the defense is playing really well, especially on display in game four against Carolina when Chara was out. They have so many layers to the defense. Um, they keep the team. They keep other teams from getting those really tough chances. And I mean, I think the majority, especially in that game four, the majority of Carolina's chances were on the outside of the faceoff dots, and that's the main thing. There is they're keeping them from the middle of the ice, and they're just they just play like it, it seems like there's more than two of them out there on the ice in terms of defense. All right. What about you, Jeff? I mean, like, it's a little rote, but, like, our top line. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, like, Bergeron, Marshawn, Pasternak beats the ever-loving fuck out of Shen, Schwartz, and Tarasenko. <laughs> like, like a fucking drum. Like a red-headed stepchild. <laughs> like, pick your analogy, I don't care. <laughs> mm. You know what I like about this series? What? I like Tuka Rask. In Tuka, we trust. Tuka motherfucking Rask, yes. The flying Finnish <laughs> king. Sparkly, badass motherfucker. An elf or an alien or some shit. Oh, that's my favorite line of the thing. <laughs> 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 He's like a, an elf or an alien or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. I like his, uh, his impersonation of a brick wall. I like him in elimination games. I like that he's been focused and that he's not letting anybody get to him. And I like that even though everybody was like, don't talk to Tuca, Bruce Cassidy said, oh, no, I think Bergie and he were just chit-chatting over there over breakfast. I'm just like, look at that goals against goals against average. Look at that save percentage. Save percentage. Goddamn! <laughs> he, is, he, he, he has become that infographic from the 20... 11-2012 season. Yes, that thing is that old. That is from the last season that he was Tim Thomas's backup. <laughs> and so here's the thing. Unless he shits the bed, which I don't think is going to happen, regardless of the outcome, there's no scenario he isn't Conn Smythe winner, right? Regardless mm -hmm. of who wins. Yeah, he's got to be. And because only goalies win 
w- win the Conn Smythe in a losing effort. Whether you're talking Ron Hextall, J.S. Giger, or um, uh, there's one more. Hang on. Who was the other one that fucking got it? Ah, uh, shit. Anyway, they both won it in the losing efforts. My That's favorite. Goalies. My favorite is ah, uh, shit. That's he's my favorite goalie. <laughs> Jeff, it was a joke. I know. <laughs> I mean, but like, like you said with Tuca, though, going back to it, in elimination games, 90 of 91 saves. Mm-hmm. 90 of 90 fucking one. That's three games. That's three fucking games. And that's a one fucking goal. Anyone right. who's not happy about Tuca Rask, anyone who said anything bad about him, can fuck right off and fall off a cliff because he is good. And the thing that it reminds me of, Tukaras being good, and it ended up working out for the Red Sox in their favor, is David Price being good in the playoffs, and the Red Sox won the World Series. Fucking Tukaras is good. Period. Full stop. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what fucking... What's his face? Beswick says over at Chowder about, oh, if he says to say he's not as good as fucking Hawaii. I mean, that's just how I feel. He's been full stop all over how how Locke's been better. And then when Tukarask is actually playing well, because he's good and not bad, and playing out of his mind, it's I don't know how he's doing this. He's never played this well, and nothing suggests that he should be this good. Well, fuck your fucking calculations and go to hell. He's 8-0-0 in the conference goddamn motherfucking finals for his career. With three shutouts and a nine seven two save percentage, fuck your couch. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, maybe that should be the title. Um. <laughs> That's it. Cancel the podcast. Tim's got this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. It's time to restate our bold predictions and then predict the series. Okay. I said that my boys to boys, Brandon Carlo, is not going to score a goal. He's done a good job so far. He's not scored any goals. He's not going to score a goal before the final clinching game. And it's the final goal. The goal that clinches the series, that's what he's going to do. He's going to have his Bobby Orr moment and do not think that I think that they are the same player because nobody is Bobby Orr. But uh, I just think that Brandon Carlo has just been that important to these playoffs and he's been getting better and better and he deserves one goal, damn it, and it should be just awesome. That That's how it is. Okay. My bold prediction, um, of course, was uh, David Backus scores the cup-winning goal in St. Louis. Mm. That means there's literally exactly two um, number of game predictions I can go with. We'll get back to that. Um, and I'll, I'll add an addendum. Oh, okay. He'll score the goal, and then he'll dive. <laughs> <through the air>. <laughs> <laughs> Look at with mom, Bobby Orr. <laughs> at which point, um, they immediately fold the St. Louis Blues, because their character arc will have reached its conclusion. 
<laughs> uh, it was a good 50 years. <laughs> it's like, boys, we tried. Let's just let's just move this team somewhere to, to Houston and call it a day. <laughs> Poor St. Louis. They would be losing so much. <sighs> My bold prediction was that not only does a defenseman score the game-winning or the series-winning goal, that it was going to be none other than Connor Clifton, Cliffy Hockey. <laughs> and I was actually going to make same suggestion that Jeff did saying that he was going to fly through the air and score that goal <laughs> because Connor Clifton is fast as fuck. <laughs> now see, if Brandon Carlo does the flying thing, leaping thing through the air, it's just because he lost an edge. <laughs> 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 and he's kind of clumsy at times. <laughs> All right. So that's good. We have our predictions set. All right. Who's going to win and in how many games? Who wants to go first? I can go first if you want, but... Please proceed. Go for it. Yeah, go for it. I, I just have a gut feeling about this. I have a gut feeling it's a seven-gamer and that the Bruins are going to win in seven games on Garden Ice and everybody's going to go fucking wild in this city. Yeah, that's how it's going to be. Okay, so... I should um, uh, say that based on my bold prediction, I've painted myself into a corner and I have to pick Bruins in four or Bruins in six. Consequently, I'm going to pick Bruins in six. However, my heart of hearts wants it to be Bruins in five because then they'll have won a round in in every possible number of games. (laughs) Not in the right order, mind you. It would have been pretty great if they won. So, So I know Anthony said he wanted the Bruins to win uh, against Carolina in five because it would have been seven, six, five, and he didn't finish the thought because that would have been bad luck. Yeah, he was implying a, he wanted a uh, a, a cup, a, a Stanley Cup final sweep. But in order to close it out, my preference would be a five. But I painted myself into a corner with my bold prediction, so Bruins in six. I think that's reasonable. All right, Tim. Well, I definitely think, and I've thought this all along. That it's going to be Bruins in six. Okay. What I think, but I also want to say I think beyond Tuka Rask playing awesome and out of his mind, I think the one Bruin that's going to have a marvelous series and stick out above the rest is Charlie McAvoy. I think he's played really well these playoffs so far, and I think he's shown that he can be that guy to take up the mantle once Z retires. And I think he's going to have a big series. The interesting thing the other night that was going on in the scrimmage, um, McAvoy and Chara playing together as they usually do, right? They had Carlo and Krug playing on their offsides for segments of the game. And I found it really confusing. Uh, I think, you know, a scrimmage is a time to play with that. It absolutely is. But I, I just feel like, Bruce Cassidy is just trying to play with everything that he has and see what what works and what doesn't. And it might be a future development. Not saying like, oh, you know, you're gonna switch one you're not, you're gonna switch Carlo over to the left side at some point. I'm just saying he's he's experimenting with that. Yeah, I feel like that sounds like him being prepared to if he needs to to roll a McAvoy Carlo pairing. Yes, yes. And he he's already done it in a penalty kill. Yes, but I think that, that that sounds like he's he's gearing up to, if necessary, play it, roll it in the final at at, at evens, 
depending on how Chara's doing. Because, like, let's face it, Chara has looked extremely 42 most yes. of these playoffs. Yes. <laughs> I think that's a fair assessment. I've said that. I've said he looks like he's playing like he, uh, he's 42, right? It's a uh, hugely long series. And that, um, it's it's not meant to diss Sedano Chara. He's 42. He knows that. He is fighting against the clock. Yeah, time moves in one direction. He knows that. He'd probably be the first to tell you that because he's a pretty cerebral dude. Right, right. So it's like let some of the guys with younger, fresher legs take on more of the burden. And uh, you still do your thing. You still do all of the things that you do, just maybe a little less time on the ice. Yeah, so I, I'm just saying that was the, the one thing I noticed from scrimmage the other night because I had the opportunity to see some things even though – I'll just be honest with you. I know what Tori Krug and, and Brandon Carlo look like on the ice without numbers. I, I just know what they look like. I know that, you know, you, you get to the point where you, you see a skater, you know who it is based on their skating style and, or their tendencies. And it's like, you know who they are. So it was like confusing the crap out of me. Not to mention that Brandon Carlo is a full, like eight inches taller <laughs> than Tori Krug. It's very stunning. And and it's gonna stand out also because like Krug and Carlo is um uh, probably the best skating duo on the team. Right, right. In so, terms of both speed and style, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like I, it was really obvious when they were out on the ice, even though they didn't spend very much time themselves down in the zone that I was because I was behind I was behind the goaltender because my vet called at the moment that I was ordering tickets. Oh uh, yeah, that would do it. Yeah. My my point is this. I think we're going to see some interesting things from this team. We're not going to always see what's expected. And the the knock on on Bruce Cassidy is he likes to have the blender. Well, guess what? The blender can be used to your advantage in so many ways. And that's about all I have to say about that. All right. So we can wrap up the show now. Okay. Well, listeners, this has been Barely on Topic. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you like us, give us a follow. Rate us some stars, write a review, tell all your friends. Um, you, can, of course, can follow us on Twitter. That's uh, at Barely on Topic. You can also follow us on Facebook at Barely on Topic Podcast. And if you're so inclined, our individual Twitter accounts. I, of course, am at Dr. Hand Grenade. I'm at Tim A. Richardson. And I am at VA from RI. Holy shit, it happened. <laughs> yes, she actually is. <laughs> <laughs> Threw you a curveball. <laughs> My brain just broke. <laughs> that's a twice that's twice in this episode. <laughs> nothing is real, nothing means anything. Up is down, cats are dogs, dogs are cats. <laughs> uh, the word?